folks, welcome to Overboost 36. Overboost is a podcast interview series featuring discussions with speedrunners about their history in speedrunning and gaming and the runs they're passionate about. I am your host, uh, PMC Trilogy, and with me today is Riven. Riven, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, I do want to confirm up front, because I think I asked you this before, like once in <laughs> some stream, is Riven, like like similar to Rhythm, the preferred pronunciation? Yes, that is the pronunciation I had in mind when I came okay. up with this, but everyone says Riven. It's it's whatever. I, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got you. I, I, of course, you know, in preparation for the interview, I had watched a few, uh, you know, GDQ vods, uh, Frost Fatales, and uh, you know, I'd heard hosts say that, and I was like, oh my god, did I did I get it wrong? Uh, but I figured maybe at the beginning of the pod, it'd be useful to to you know to include that and to sort of uh, push that there. Now, I did mention, of course, AGDQ. Uh, now, recently, you had the opportunity to uh, speedrun Sammy Circuit in Lionland at AGDQ 2021, um, and I kind of wanted to ask a few questions on the top about just sort of doing the the awful block thing. When you submit a, you know, a game like Sammy Serkit, or like, do you have thoughts about game choice when it comes to what you're submitting to GDQ, and do you feel that you're angling to be in Awful Block? I definitely did do that for a while with uh, the big Americans with GDQ and with ESA. Or I guess less with GDQ, because this is like the first time I actually submitted, because it was online. Mm-hmm. Like, don't have to fly all the way to America, so that helped. Uh, but yeah, uh, for a while I did sort of, uh, try to like promote myself on the awful games and like, you know, being the, the awful block person. Uh, and like, I, I guess a bunch of the Polish marathon people can confirm that a bunch of my first appearances have been just that. Uh, as, it, as time has gone on, I sort of started picking up more, uh, I guess, well uh recognized and like well regarded games uh and submitting those as well so uh i guess not anymore but sammy was definitely like angled at the awful block so yeah and when it when it comes to doing that like what do you you know people are are probably not going to know a lot of these awful block games that's sort of part of the fun mm-hmm. of it right if you're a viewer you're not right. sure exactly what you're going to be getting um did you have expectations for what the response might be to Sammy Sarakit and did you have any particular favorite reactions to the game that you'd want to share uh so i did sort of expect it to get in uh i didn't expect it to it to be the my only game that gets in mm-hmm. I figured if if I was going to get something in, I, it would be Sammy and something else, uh, or nothing at all. Uh, and I was only expecting that because it had a really positive response at uh, Fleet Fatals. So I was kind of expecting someone to, you know, recommend this because, oh, people loved it. And uh, I'm really happy that people did, both during Fleet Fatals and during GDQ, because... I couldn't have expected that, honestly. Like, uh, I, having run the game for a couple months, I, I'm sort of like, you know, biased towards thinking that the run 
isn't as cool as it used to be because you know new glitches were found and the run has sort of from the execution side i would say it's become more boring but i suppose you know going through every wall in the game is entertaining to watch so uh yeah i don't think i really had a favorite reaction uh I, I didn't really catch any like specific ones that stood out, I don't think. Uh there were a couple like funny comments on the YouTube upload of the VODs mm-hmm. and stuff, but uh yeah, nothing that particularly stood out. Okay. And then one one more GDQ question. As we get into this interview, I think we're gonna discover that you have uh like a, I I'm really interested by the like the wide cross section because I feel like the the games when I looked at your speedrun.com page and also you know the games that we had discussed in terms of ones to highlight for this interview um there there are some commonalities but also there's a wide range I mean 3D platformers first person shooters a bunch of different developers uh you know a, an interesting cross section of games do you have any hopes uh you know let's let's say right now I don't want to I I'm not GDQ staff but my thoughts being in America is that SGDQ 2021 is probably going to be online, right? Like, you know, let's, let's just say it. Um, do you have any thoughts yeah. on what you'd like to see? Uh, what game you're like, if I could get one game in the SGDQ 2020 online, what would it be? Probably KO2. Just because it's uh, like the one run of mine that I uh, can see myself doing still this moment. And it's of a decent length. Because, like, my games are usually, like, in the 10, 20-minute range, which is fine for, like, if you're doing attempts and, like, doing runs. It's it's nice to have a quick and short run. But for a marathon showing, uh, I would like a longer run. So around an hour, like, would be nice. So, you know, I, I get to get some stage time, get to show off a game I like and hopefully entertain people. Not to mention, obviously, raising money for charity. Of course, and- yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, I definitely hear it because I mean, short runs I think are 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 just as you said, sort of uh, very manageable in terms of time. But in terms of a marathon, you know, if your if your run is as long as the tech switch, you know, that can kind of feel like, well, what what were we doing? Um, so you know, having having a longer mm-hmm. run definitely makes sense in that way. Well, let's let's go back in time then. Let's go back to where does gaming start for you? What is what are your first experiences with gaming? Uh, first experiences, like the the first thing I really remember is watching my dad play Far Cry One on uh, on my parents' PC, and uh, I used to think that was really cool, and. Uh, I think at some point my parents got a new PC, so I got the old one. And I played a lot of Flash games, like online and stuff. Uh, didn't really... My parents were not into gaming at all, still aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did sort of know I do, like, you know, playing the games with a timer. Whoa, I don't really care. <laughs> so uh, I never got any games. So I, I was just stuck with like flash games and whatever I found online for free. So a lot of the time it was just like random flash, whatever. Uh, at some point, 
<laughs> I learned how to pirate games, but don't tell anyone. Yeah, Twitch, don't uh, don't, don't, don't pay like, attention to this part. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like everyone, like a- any younger people who are growing up gaming, started out with that because you had no money to buy stuff and your parents didn't buy you stuff. So how are you going to do anything? Uh, but yeah, so I don't remember what I played first, like my first PC game. I think I remember in my early years, like when I was starting out with video games, I played Prince of Persia, Sons of Time, and none of the other ones. Uh, I played Tomb Raider, uh, not the classics, but the ones after, so Legend and Anniversary. Mm-hmm. I never played Underworld. I got the game. I still have it on my shelf. My PC back then couldn't run it, so... Uh, yeah. So I played those. And I think at some point I got a PlayStation 3. And I specifically remember Uncharted 2 and Infamous were like the two games I played a lot and really loved. Uh, but I had a really bad setup. I remember this specifically. I had a really bad setup with the, with the PlayStation 3 where my TV had, like, almost a second of input lag. So I played a lot, like, with it, but after some time I just went back to the PC Mm because it it was better to play, especially after I figured out how to use a controller on the PC. That was, like, Mm, living the life. That's useful. Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, you know, Flash games, I feel like reminiscing on Flash games is a a hot internet content thing at the moment because mm -hmm. of the retirement of Flash do you remember any particular games that you would you would share as like because I think this is the way that people often talk about that experience with Flash games is they had like the Flash game that they played with their friends or you know something along those lines. Do you remember any particular games that you would want to share? Uh, so I played it a lot on like Nitro. I think it's that's how it's pronounced. Uh, I specifically remember the like two player game with like two angel cats. That you would like shoot arrows into walls and then use those as platforms. Uh, that's one I remember. I don't think I ever got very far in it, but I just remember it. Uh, any other ones? Uh, Fireboy and Watergirl. Played uh, played that one a lot. Yeah, I don't know if I remember any other ones. No, I mean, that's probably a while ago. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, yeah, that's been forever. Have you revisited any of these? Uh, I mean, yes. Mm. If, if, of course, Flash, you know, lots of people are, are doing projects to preserve Flash or emulate Flash. So, you know, just the retirement mm-hmm. from browsers is more of, a, I think, an opportunity to, again, reminisce and, and spur interest. Um, I'm just curious, because like, I feel like some people, too, like I, I noticed some folks ended up uh, returning to Flash games. I also wanted to ask, like, had you had you gone back to any of these Flash games recently? Uh, recently, no, but I did run one Flash game a couple years ago. That was, like, one of my early speed games. Uh, I don't know if you want me to, like, talk about this now or... Oh, which game is it? It's... It's Mercurial Story. Yeah, yeah, uh, go ahead and mention that, yeah. I'm sure no one's one's heard (laughs) of that. Uh, I think the reason I ran it was I was in secondary school at the time, and uh, 
I was really bored most of the time. And I found that game on the like on the app store, in the mobile store. And like I played it through once. I messed around and like found a couple skips. I was like, are there leaderboards for this? Yeah, there are. And it's like everyone's on the mobile playing it, but they had like a web version. So I just went on the web version and took the record because yeah. it was just easier to control. No, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. So you already mentioned the, uh, you know, you had an experience with the hand-me-down computer with the PS3. Was there, um, is there a certain point where you, you feel like you kind of took ownership of the, the gaming hobby? Like, did you later, you know, maybe save up money and buy your own computer, you know, more, more recently or something like that? Because I, I feel like this is always a question I like to ask is because at some point, a lot of people start out like gaming is a hand-me-down thing or a thing where, you know, at a Christmas or something, I, you know, you get a gift. Uh, mm-hmm. And then at some point it's like, all right, well, now this is how I'm going to spend money as a hobby that I'm going to, you know, dedicate my time to. Do you feel like there's a certain, could you, could you track a certain point for that? Mm, I guess somewhere around the end of middle school. Uh, yeah, I, I, I never bought my own PC because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I I don't really I don't know I just haven't really ever done much in terms of like a job and mm-hmm. earning my own money so I never had really enough to save up for a PC uh, but I did buy like a bunch of like all my peripherals I bought with my own money so I guess in a way I would say that that's sort of me uh, yeah, like you said, taking ownership and, uh, you know, doing something by myself for myself with with regards to the hobby. No, I, I couldn't tell you, like, how old I was exactly. But <laughs> Now, sometimes it definitely is like that, because I, I feel like, uh, you know, sometimes things, sometimes you want to be in a hobby. Like, I feel like for the way you describe it reminds me a lot of music for me. You know where there was there wasn't a chance in hell I was going to buy my own piano. <laughs> That's not going to happen mm-hmm. as a child. But you know, I end up buying music books, buying other things. Maybe at some point, being in charge of music lessons. I I, I definitely think that that makes sense and follows. Um, so our focus is going to be speed running for most of this interview. But I always like to check in and ask about multiplayer gaming because most of the speedruns are single player games as opposed to multiplayer. And I wanted mm-hmm. to ask if you had any uh, big phases with any kind of multiplayer, whether that be, you know, local multiplayer or MMOs or uh, MOBAs or any kind of thing like that. So I could never stand <laughs> like most multiplayer games. Uh, I never got into like competitive shooters. Uh, I hate MOBAs. I hate MMOs. They're just that gameplay is not for me. But I did have like a year or two where I played Overwatch with a couple of friends a lot. Mm. Uh, so I have like I don't know four or five hundred hours on that game, and that is to this day I think the only time I've played a multiplayer a multiplayer game for like more than a day without getting bored. Was that right around when so, Overwatch started, or was it was it more more deeper into the the life of that game? I think it was like half a year or a year into like since it released. 
I know I got into it on like the first free weekend they did. Because mm-hmm. back then I was like, I was still on a complete toaster of a PC. And I, I didn't get it. Like, my friends have been playing it for like since release basically, but I never got it because I just assumed like there's no way it's going to work. <laughs> no chance. But uh, they had the free weekend, so I decided to like, try it out. Like, whatever. Uh, it's probably not even going to start up, but. I might as well check it out. And it ran at, like, you know, 20 to 40 FPS. I was like, yeah, that's good, good enough. enough. Yeah. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I played it for a, for a while with that. Then, actually, a friend ended up, uh, a friend from England ended up shipping to me his old graphics card, his uh, 750 Ti. Mm-hmm. So... I got to like 50 FPS on that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for a while. I don't think I played it again since my most recent upgrade. So yeah, that's that's about the performance I was, I was getting. And I wasn't very good at the game, but hey, it was fun. Did you have any preferred classes to play? I was always a support player mm-hmm. uh, for like 90% of my playtime. I think I sort of started go playing more DPS, uh, just because uh, I got bored of playing healer. So yeah, I did a bit of that. I was an okay May, I think. That's about it. Yeah, that's reasonable. <laughs> I, I definitely, I, I think I also had a similar experience in which I played it probably for maybe a few hundred hours and then rage quit furiously. I think I once I once uninstalled Overwatch and then immediately uninstalled Battle.net after, uh, and I don't think I've ever returned to the game since then. Um, sometimes it's like that. Nice. Well, let's talk about something that's obviously not frustrating at all, which which is speedrunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you <laughs> when did you get in? When did you learn first learn about speedrunning? I don't really know when I first learned about it. I feel like it's something that I've always known existed. I'm not sure why. I like the first memory I have of speedrunning is a friend of mine from elementary school uh, who was <laughs> who was practicing a boss cheese for the Capra demon in Dark Souls. You know, we've had Kata on here before, so mm-hmm. I'm sure you know all about Dark Souls. Uh, yeah, and so I remember him specifically mentioning that like this is a speedrun strat. And I, I, I guess I must have done some investigating on my own because I definitely didn't like ask him about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so since then, I sort of knew about speedrunning. I wasn't really super interested. I just knew it existed. And then in 2013, I think it was HGDQ or SGDQ, uh, 2013 had breakdown do a speedrun of super meat boy 106 percent on the xbox i think 360 and like three hours or something it was really long but i watched that whole run like five times over i just really loved that and uh yeah i started running meat boy like soon after that i never really interacted with any communities until around 2016 just because i didn't no English at the time. 
I I didn't know it at least well enough to confidently like communicate. But uh but I've been like running on and off since twenty thirteen. Uh pretty sure like I started I did some runs for like a year or two. And then in twenty sixteen I sort of met like with met a friend group basically and one of them uh one of the people there did speed running so they sort of got me back into it. And yeah, I'd say I've been speedrunning pretty actively since 2016. So now just to confirm that Super Meat Boy ended up being your first game that you completed a speedrun of? Okay. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Now, at what point... So when you were speedrunning initially, were you just doing runs and recording them for yourself? Were you even recording them? Were you streaming them? Like, at what point... Because I, I find it interesting, you know, just because you're speedrunning doesn't mean you're recording them or you are mm-hmm. streaming them. What was that progression like for you? So at first, I was doing Meat Boy runs with a, uh, you know, those like digital clocks that you like hand watches, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine had a timer. So I timed my runs with that. Uh yeah, of course. I wasn't. I didn't even know how to record stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no recordings of that. But I did. I do remember I had like a mid three x any percent time, like thirty five or whatever, uh, on on my uh, stopwatch. Which honestly, I might have not even been timing with the correct like rules. I <laughs> I don't know, but I remember that was like. A time I had at one point, and uh, I appreciate sure I did that for like two years. Yeah, I don't think I learned what a life split is mm. uh, until getting back into it in 2016. And then at that point, was your would you would you have just focused on PC runs? Because I feel like you know PC runs with with OBS in the later half of the 2010s are like. I want to say somewhat straightforward to capture. I know you play some older games and the, the capture situation can be complicated with older PC <laughs> yeah. games. Um, but like certainly, it, you know, for someone coming to it new, it's going to be more straightforward than capture hardware, you know, which, which is its own nest. Were you just doing PC mm-hmm. runs at that time that you had been recording or were you messing with capture hardware? Yeah, at that time I was already like done with the PlayStation. I was okay. just on PC. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like, the thought of speedrunning a console game hasn't really come up until like 2018, 17, 18. I was like all PC. Mm-hmm. What wait, what console game came up in around then that you thought about recording? Uh, I, I so at that point I recently like reset up my PS3. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why, but I did. I think it was like to mod it or something. Uh, I noticed that I had a Ratchet and Clank game, like a CD of it. And I was like, hey, this game is pretty cool. And I know Ratchet runs are pretty nice. So maybe I should like look into that. Uh, And then I did. And I learned like the first two minutes. And I came up to the first out of bounds and it was too hard. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was a short-lived adventure that's fair so, sometimes sometimes it's like that i know i i had a i had an experience mm-hmm. where i was like i'm gonna learn titanfall 2 
And then I got to like the first hard jumping thing skip and I was like, mm, not sure about this one. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's do some some speedrun game takes. Uh of all the speedruns mm-hmm. that you've done, what is your favorite speedrun? Uh, hard to say. I've done as as you've seen on my profile, I've done a lot of them. Uh there's a bunch I never uploaded as well. Mm-hmm. Uh it's hard for me to pick like the top favorite one. I have like a couple contenders, so I'm just gonna cheat. Yeah, and yeah, cheat. answer multiple. Uh, first of all, Super Meat Boy. It's my favorite game of all time, and I love the run. Uh, it's frustrating to grind, but it's still a lot of fun, and I really love the game. So that's one for sure. Uh, more tier four. <laughs> uh, it's. It's the game that sort of got me into glitch hunting and routing. And it was the first game that like I've really started a I guess a community and I mean not really anyone who runs it at this point, but I got a couple people into it and I I think I did a pretty solid job of routing it. Finding like most of the skips that are still used to this day. Uh so yeah, I guess like some nostalgia for it. And uh, some, you know, just pride in the route. And I think it's a pretty fun run overall. I, I will mention, uh, I try not to insert myself in interviews too much, but Rhythm mm-hmm. did submit Mortar 4 to the Obscure Speedruns Club, and I did run it the month it was it was a game. Uh, and I had fun. It's it's a cool little, if you want like a 15, 20 minute uh, Lift Tech Jupiter speedrun, you, you, you'd be hard pressed to do better than, than Mortar 4. It was a good time. Uh, yeah, so after that, like, I guess going in a chronological order would be Yonai 2, uh, which is a game I stumbled upon because I was in a stream and the streamer had song requests and uh, they were uh, just putting in their own requests just to not have like an offline playlist. And they had the title of the game in their clipboard instead of uh oh, there they are in chat nice. <laughs> yeah they had they had the the title of the game in their clipboard instead of a link mm-hmm. so they pasted it and i was like hmm what is this i am going to google so i looked it up oh it's a game does it have a speedrun i look it up on speedrun.com sure does oh this game looks actually fun i'm going to play it and then I did, and then I ran it, and then I ran it some more, and I spent like a couple years running it on and off. So, uh, yeah, that was like probably the most random way to stumble upon a speed game. But uh, yeah, I think it's really fun, even though it's like it's it's a game jam game that was made in a month, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have a lot of content. But what is there is pretty fun. And I really do like the game. Uh, the tech is also really fun. So it was just a good time overall. And I guess the final one would be KO2, which for a lot of Polish people, it's like a childhood classic. For me, it was the complete opposite. <laughs> I didn't really know the game existed for like until recently. 
Like, I, I always knew something, something KO, right? Mm. But never looked into it. So, uh, when I did, I, I hated the game. I played it casually and I hated it. I thought it was awful. It was really boring. The levels were like not very interesting to do platforming in. But I was in the KO speedrunning community from a different KO game that I picked up a couple months prior. And uh and so I, I sort of like promised I guess that I would learn it and do a run. And I ended up doing that and I ended up actually really enjoying the speedrun. Uh, yeah, like for me, it took a very mediocre, bland, casual game to a really fun speedrun. So yeah, that's, I guess, the top four. <laughs> no, I mean, that's fair. That's, that's also, you know, the these are the four games, of course, that I watched VODs of. Oh, no, I actually know. Well, that was not correct, because I didn't watch a VOD of Super Meat Boy. I watched a VOD of Sammy Sarakate. But, <laughs> you know, Sammy Sarakate, Super Meat Boy, I, I can't tell the difference, right? Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. All right, what about the flip side of it, though? Of all the speedruns you've done, what is your least favorite that you've completed oh, a run of? I'm actually going to have to look into my profile for that. <laughs> I, I feel like I should have like a like a board that I can scratch it on every time this happens, because this is usually <laughs> what happens when I ask this question. is like, oh, I need to pull up my profile here. Wait a second. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, least favorite. All right, I've got a couple. <laughs> So, uh, first of all, KO1, that game sucks, it's awful, and the run is like, you, you just jump forward. That That's the whole run, you, you jump forward. That one sucks. Uh, I did runs of uh, the two like latest uh, Red Faction games, mm -hmm. so Guerrilla and Armageddon. Guerrilla is a really good game. I love that. Uh, as a run, it's cool, but I personally hate it. <laughs> I can't stand doing it. It's fun to watch, but I can't do it. And Armageddon as a run just... No. I don't want to talk about it. Sucks. I guess there's like a bunch of like games I didn't really enjoy, didn't mind. Those are the ones that I like particularly hated. No, that's that's a pretty pretty fair selection. Uh, what about a game that you would like to speed run, but you have not gotten around to it either? You know, for time reasons, or it just doesn't fit with what you're doing right now. I also have a lot of those. <laughs> well, uh, feel free to list a few. So, I mentioned earlier that one of my first games that I've ever played was uh, Prince of Persia: Sons of Time. And I would really like to get into that game and run it at some point. I, I'm pretty sure I bought the game like twice already, and I do not know where either copy is, so I would have to get it again. Uh, but yeah, that's probably one that's like the most uh, the most obvious one right away to me. Uh, I just like haven't gotten around to it. I don't know. I hmm. never. I didn't have, like, I guess, motivation to try to learn it. Uh, another one would be Dark Souls. I've been in the Speed Souls community for, like, years now, 
and I've still never like properly learned the game. So I, I just feel like it's long overdue to to actually get get into it. Yeah. No, that's a really good answer. I definitely have some of those too. Where I, I I've like I I love so many people in the Metal Gear Solid community, and I just never actually do a run. And sometimes it's like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just like you enjoy you enjoy a crowd. Uh, one more question in the in the speedrun takes category. Uh, favorite runs to watch that you do not run yourself and have no planes to run. Uh. Any movement FPS, Half Life, Half Life Two, uh, Quake, Titanfall Two, uh, Valley. Uh, oh, what's the other one? Lemma, Lemma. That's that, those are like the two sort of more obscure mm-hmm. uh, movement FPSs that I really like watching. Uh, yeah, movement FPS is so hard. I I do not have like the the motivation to play a movement FPS enough to get any good at it. So I, I don't see myself running them ever. But they're so fun to watch. No, I def- definitely agree there. I've <laughs> I've experienced both both parts of that. Um mm. so here's a, another question. You know, speedrunning is pretty intensive, uh, but you're also often sitting for long periods of time. So I like to ask each guest uh, do you have any sort of approaches when it comes to maintaining good health, both in regards to wear and tear on wrists and hands, and also, you know, usually sitting when when streaming and, and playing the game? So I'm awful at that. I'm like really bad. Uh, my back hurts so much because I just I do not know how to sit properly. Uh, I do do some wrist like stretches and stuff. Uh, when I remember, so not very often, but uh, like there, there's my token of hey, I tried. <laughs> Un- understandable. I mean, it's it's sometimes too right. It's like you 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 handle things as as they're needed. I think the the takeaway when I ask this question, sometimes you know you have folks who are experiencing some kind of repetitive stress injury that they need to deal with, or you know people who really are fortunate to not have to deal with it. And I think the the takeaway from everyone though is of course, you know, lis- listen to your body. If something's painful, you know, make sure make sure to address it. Um in terms of other speedrunning questions, I you know, already without even, you know, deep diving on any specific game, uh, I think it's become apparent that you've you've filled a bunch of different roles uh in different games and you talked about, you know, the experience of routing Mortar 4 uh, but also of other games, and you're really just kind of coming to them and doing uh, attempts, just grinding out attempts for you know platformers, 2D platformers, 3D platformers. When it comes to speedrunning, do you feel like you have a particular mission statement, or do you otherwise you know feel like you're in a particular role? So, I guess like a mix of two of them. Uh, for a good while, I saw myself as like basically exclusively a glitch hunter. I didn't really enjoy grinding out runs, other than the, like those four games that I mentioned. Those are like the exceptions where I actually like liked doing runs and you know shaving out the shaving off those seconds. Uh, but other than that, a lot of my time with speedrunning has been focusing on trying to find 
skips, glitches, and general like optimizations to to a game. Uh, and I still do to the say like <laughs> try to find stuff. But also in the last year or so, I've uh, sort of got a little more interested in in like coding, programming. Mm. And I actually had a friend teach me how to write an auto splitter and a loader mover. So I feel like that's also a thing I've been doing for a bunch of communities, just like making other speedrunning tools uh, to, you know, to be able to have fair competition, to be able to practice better, stuff like that, sort of more on the technical side. That's really important labor. I, you know, like I, I'm being a person who mostly does obscure games or sometimes does. I'm, I'm used to just having to live that manual split RTA life. Uh, but you know, the, mm-hmm. the ability to, uh, you know, have it split for you, remove loads, that kind of thing. Uh, that's just really good. And I'm always happy to highlight uh, someone who contributes that way because it is important. Yeah. You get spoiled by that. Like I, once I learned how to make them, I did not run a single game that didn't have one. If it didn't have one, I made it myself just for myself, because I do not want to split manually ever again. <laughs> uh, speaking, all right. So I, I should have asked this before asking the, the health question, but I, I know that you you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, getting controller working on PC, using a PS3 for some things. Um, I. It's my assumption that, you know, most often when people are doing platformers, they're usually doing them with uh, controllers. Uh, I wanted to ask if you had any controller hot takes in regards to favorite or least favorite controllers. Uh, yeah, sure. So for platformers, my favorite controller is the keyboard. Oh, okay, uh, so you do, ple- okay, you do keyboard. All right. Well, it shows what yeah, I have. I, I am a keyboard warrior okay. all the way through. Uh, there's only like one type of game I'll use a controller for. And that is specifically 3D platformers that do not have mouse control on the or camera control on the mouse. Mm-hmm. In those cases, I need a controller to be able to do anything. But other than that, I always choose keyboard or keyboard and mouse. It's just so much nicer. That's interesting. So, uh, of, of the games that I watched, uh, like so, I, I'm going to guess here, like so, like. Something like Yonoid, does that have mouse support where like something KO does yeah, KO Kangaroo does. 2 doesn't or Oh god. Yeah, KO do not okay. KO games do not have mouse con- uh, mouse control. They're pretty old games, so mm-hmm. yeah. But Noid has good control, so I run that on keyboard the mouse. Okay. Alright, that's that's interesting to know then. I I was I was wondering wondering very much about that. All right, well, let's let's dive into some some specific games now. Some of these you already you already talked about a bit. Um, let's talk a little bit more specifically about Sammy Surrogate in Lionland. Like, first off, for people who don't know, what is this game? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a old janky like sort of shovelware platformer puzzle thing with tank controls and uh, oh tank controls the 3d platformer of tank controls bless yeah yeah of course uh so apparently it was pretty popular in poland i never got Mm -hmm. got sick with it but uh there was a couple people in the polish speedrunning discord that i guess sort of rediscovered it and 
uh, I just started playing, messing around, found out it was really broken, and you know me, I hear a broken game, get me on that. So, uh, so I did after a while, like, they, they figured out a lot of stuff before I joined. Uh, like, I helped figure out some skips and glitches and stuff. Which, uh, do, do, do you know, which ones did you contribute to? Uh, did they show up in the AGDQ run, or? Yeah, the, the main clipping method I found. Oh. The one that was on every, yeah, every that's, level. That's the music one, right? Can you talk about that one? Uh, there's a lot of music clips actually. Okay, no, there's obviously. Um, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure how, uh, how uniform those clipping methods were. You know, in terms of uh, where yeah, it was always like, the same way or not. Like every, uh, basically every, uh, every method of clipping almost is related to lagging the game. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I guess a bit of history uh, with the game. So we figured out that. Uh, Getting into collision just puts you on top of it. I think Martin's in the chat actually figured that out with doors that like he made them close on you. So uh, we knew that pretty early on, and uh, yeah, we had some levels skipped like entirely with that. But you still played a lot of the game as intended. Um. I think at one point I brought the game up to Albert, you know, Albert, mm-hmm. uh, and he actually found an earlier patch of it, which at first we didn't think was very useful because the only like difference that we noticed was uh, there, there was one rock in a level that wasn't there in the later patch. Uh, so that was that level was technically a little faster because you could climb that rock and get to the end. Um, but then uh, we figured out that that part was horribly, horribly broken. But that's later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one specific glitch called the camera zip. I helped figure out, or maybe did figure out, uh, partially at least. So there was one level that had a perfect setup that if you just at the start walk backwards and jump into a wall, you clip through it. Or like you, you technically clip into it and then get zipped up, but everyone was just holding back, so we thought you just clip through it. And we thought that was just like that level exclusive, like, oh, it's just a weird thing with quirk with that level. But I noticed that another level had like a very similar sort of wall. So I started messing around with like corners and figured out a way to clip into it and then zip up it. And that skipped like one of the most RNG levels in the game. So that was already huge. And I don't remember if it was me or Poker who figured out that uh, you could do it on any wall. Like it was, it was based on the camera. Mm-hmm. So if camera was close enough to Sammy's face, uh, will just push you into the wall. At least that's our theory, is that the camera pushes you. We don't actually know, but... Yeah, so that helped optimize a bunch of levels. Uh, we also figured out... Oh god, I'm trying to think of, like, in in order, what we figured out next. Uh, I'm sure there was, like, a lot of smaller discoveries between that. 
but the next big thing was gem clipping. Hmm. So those colored gems that you like pick up and swap. We knew for a while that sometimes randomly when one is next to a wall and you pick it up, you zip up the wall. But it was like so inconsistent. We just like, yeah, this exists, whatever. There's no way that's ever going to be useful, right? <laughs> and then someone pressed M a bunch while collecting a gem and just went through a wall. So, uh, so just like for reference, the run at first with already a couple glitches was like 40 minutes around there. Uh, then when we found camera zipping, I'm not quite sure, but I think it was like 30s, high 20s, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we figured out gym clipping and it was like 15, 14. I think I had the record for that route with like a 14, 20 something. And then I was just messing around with the, with the pause key again. And I, I threw a bug, one of the like weapons, just held forward and was swimming M. And Sammy went through a door. And I was like, oh. The main thing limiting us from using gem clips was that not every level had gems. Had gems, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so we couldn't really use it everywhere. We could use it in a lot of places. That's why the time went down so much. But there were still a bunch of levels that were left unbroken. Or like had really long setups because we had to juggle two gems for like half the level to get to the end and then use that. Uh, But yeah, like... Almost every level has bugs to throw. So it's like, oh, hello. <laughs> and uh, I did it. And then we thought the game was dead because no one else could replicate it. And we had no idea why. <laughs> and then another runner, Wormy, came in and she was able to do it. So it's like, okay, I'm on a crappy laptop. She's on a crappy laptop. Everyone else is on uh on like proper pcs and i was thinking to myself like i know another speed game where a glitch is only possible on like intel cpus but not on amd or the other way around i don't remember mm-hmm. but yeah yeah there's a difference yeah yeah hardware stuff so it's like i have intel she has intel what do others have but like that was quickly ruled out and i don't remember who came up with the idea but someone went into I think it was Wormy actually. Uh she got on like a proper PC and she went into the Windows power plant settings and lowered like the the performance that was out that the computer was allowed to, you know, run at. And she was able to get the clips. So it's like, okay. <laughs> Do that. I enjoy not being able to stream at high quality. <laughs> so uh yeah, so we did that. And everyone was able to do it. So I grinded the game a lot. Like I remember, I think the first stream after uh, after that glitch was discovered, I played the game for like six, seven hours straight, just grinding runs, which was really stupid. And uh, yeah, I, I got burnt down on the game for a while, but eventually came back. Uh, and yeah, the thing got lowered to what it is now, which is like a... Uh, Sub nine now, mm-hmm. sub nine minutes. Yeah, uh, there was some other like more minor glitches found in the meanwhile, but like those were the super major ones. 
That's quite. I mean, that's really. I, you when you said you know that the after the that first major discovery, you know that it was like a forty minute run. I was like, oh my god, because mm-hmm. like you know, I I know from having watched the GDQ run and watching the you know checking the leaderboard times is like you know nine about nine ten minute run. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, what happened here? And yeah, it just, it turns out he kept finding different ways to to clip through stuff. Yeah, huge shout outs to poker who was like the first person to do runs and for like the first couple months he was the only one because like no one else i don't think was really interested i was but the game wasn't broken enough for me and like some of the levels were genuinely too hard for mm-hmm. me so i think around gem clipping i started getting into it and uh yeah pushed it down a bit more and then, th- like a couple more runners joined as well because the run was getting easier Mm-hmm. more accessible are there any other games like this like did this did this company make any anything else in this neighborhood we, we don't even know who they are really so the, the I, game okay so go ahead. F- sorry fun fact no. about sammy is it was still being sold until like last year i think mm-hmm. it was 20 dollars <laughs> It's it's twenty dollars, and actually, someone in the community bought the game for twenty dollars, got the legit copy from like an archive.org link, which we're not sure if the bunny ever went to the devs, but they did pay. They did. It Wait, did who, take twenty bucks. Who did they pay? I don't know. <laughs> Circuit Software, I guess. <laughs> but they got it, and as it turns out, the game has like a weird registry thing like to register not the windows registry oh, okay okay <laughs> uh yeah so to register you have to like give them your full like legal name and stuff like proper info mm-hmm. and then when you play it actually shows your full name in the corner so if you ever wanted to stream on a legit copy you dox yourself <laughs> so good yeah that's fun that's that's good yeah, uh, I, I was trying to do research on this because you know because I was very much curious because one of the other games that we've talked about, Mortar Four, we might talk about that a little bit more. But <clears throat> I know City Interactive has made a ton of games. They've made a ton of bur- budget uh, yeah. first person shooters and all sorts of things. And so my thought was, well, this is Circuit Software. Did they do other games like this? And uh, and I, I can only assume everything I'm about to say you already know. But looking into it. The the developer's name is attached to like a bunch of like gem jewel matching games on Steam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like some card game, I think as well. Uh, they did make other games uh, that we did find on like archive.org again mm-hmm. off their website. Uh, I played a bunch of the demos because those are easy to download just off their site. Uh, they're like all not good yeah. it's all like really arcadey sort of yeah i guess arcade games is the best way to describe it like there was one where you sort of rotated around like a structure and you shot blocks at it and then you made lines and they disappeared it wasn't very good i could see that. yeah like sammy is sammy is the gem unintended now, do you do you expect? I, I feel like taking a game like Sammy Sarakit to to GDQ might be the time when the game ascends to to speedrun heaven, never to be seen again. Do you or like anyone else have thoughts about where this where this run goes from here, or is this run sort of 
now been fully, uh, you know, I guess shaped into a, a perfect diamond of a speed run. <laughs> so, I think there's still stuff left to be found. I I don't know what it would be, but I would be surprised if there wasn't stuff to be found. It is Sammy, after all, that game is a mess. Uh, maybe we find 1.0 someday. Because we're on 1.1 right now. Mm. Um, that was the version that... Broken. That was the version that Albert had found, right? Because what the 1.1? Yes. Okay. Yep. And actually, the, the person who bought a legit copy also ordered a German CD copy and then ripped it. And that was like 1.08, I want to say. It wasn't... It, we didn't find any like glitches for it, exclusive mm-hmm. to it, and, it's, and like differences. It was like a gold edition, which had four bonus levels that until now we th- we thought there was only one like not about but yeah we had all four and they're terrible and we don't want to play them so we don't and also the game is in german because that's the disc they got right right uh so yeah we we sort of ignored that uh but yeah who knows maybe it goes somewhere we did a- okay we did actually find like we from the gdq run we did get a couple new members in the Sammy Discord, and one of them actually did some reverse engineering and actually found like a console and then did a credit swap with a command. <laughs> so, so that was pretty funny, but not very useful. Mm-hmm, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to me. I, you know, I think one of the things that's really compelling about uh, speedrunning is when you see a small community coalesce around a sort of almost forgotten game like this and i feel like a lot of the stories that you just told really highlight that sort of thing uh which is which is neat i think it's part of what what makes it fun and 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 worth doing um let's let's get over to to mortar 4 now you already talked about how with mortar 4 uh which again is also operation thunderstorm if you're looking to play this game you can get this game on steam it's called operation thunderstorm and uh, this, you you talked about routing it and and that experience, getting the time down. Uh, and I mentioned already that this is a city interactive game, a budget brand first person shooter. Uh, did you have anything that you wanted to add when helping people understand what is Mortar Four, aka Operation Thunderstorm? Like, what is this game? Uh, think Call of Duty, but on the Fear Engine. And like all the cinematic stuff, just gone. Uh, yeah, just maybe like lower the quality a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, you got it. You got more here. Yeah, no, it's that's pretty much about it. You know, so when it comes to this, and, and I, I mentioned already, you know, I noticed looking at your speedrun.com profile that you've also done other city interactive games, whether that be other games in the Mortar series or just other first-person shooters by that developer. <laughs> what was your introduction to the universe of City Interactive? Was it specifically the Mortar series, or was it outside of that? Well, Mortar 4 specifically okay, was... Okay, it is Mortar 4, okay. The introduction. Uh, so I, I got that game as a child from, like, a supermarket or something for, like, you know, two bucks. Mm-hmm. And I played it. I don't remember thinking anything about it, but it was just sitting on my shelf for ages. Uh, 
and yeah, I just one day when I decided to try looking into it speedwise, I was just like, oh yeah, this game exists. I don't remember anything about it. Let's play it. <laughs> so, you know, the most random possible uh, way to get into a game, I guess. Uh, yeah, so that was my introduction to to that. And I like I played it for a while, just just that game. Uh, but then I realized, hey, this is really broken. I wonder what else CA put out. So I I looked to the other CI game on my shelf, which is SAS Secure Tomorrow. Mm. Uh, and I do remember replaying that and thinking it was hilarious. It's it's a really funny game. The voice acting is just mm. Mm. like it has seven or eight minutes of unskippable cutscenes, <laughs> but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's so funny. Uh, so I figured, like, you know, I I already took a bunch of the knowledge from the fear community and mm. put it on Mordir. I this is the same thing. So I'm just gonna, yep. Uh, so like. I found out that one person actually ran it before me. And they had like a 15 minute run with no glitches, no skips. Mm. So I was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. There's a 30 minute run. <laughs> Can do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I did that and I, like, I didn't really look into it much more. Like I did one or two runs uh, and just dropped it because it wasn't very interesting. Like, as 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 funny as the cutscenes are, uh, you know, running a thirty-minute game where a third of his, his cutscenes, not the best experience. Yeah, so I dropped it pretty quick. That'll get old pretty quick for sure once the novelty of it wears off. But still, probably a fun, you know, I guess a, a fun thing to show off for a marathon where where bad cutscenes are appropriate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, like a while later. Uh, Mortier 4 was getting some traction, mm-hmm. some new runners, and one of them came from Mortier 1. They ran Mortier 1 previously, and then they did Mortier 4, and then they did 3. So, I I don't quite remember. I think that got me sort of interested in Mortier 3, but I thought it was kind of boring because it was a different engine. Right. I think it's a Chrome engine, mm-hmm. which I don't know if it tells you anything. It didn't tell me anything, but basically, yeah, I, it's I've seen it's I've unbroken. seen screenshots of that game Chrome. Whenever I search lists of mech games, which is a thing I do from time to time, <laughs> Moby Games always says, mm-hmm. "Here, Chrome, you want to look at this, right?" <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what this is. This doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that run is significantly less broken, but. It sort of like made me aware of it, and like later down the line, uh, another runner of Mortier Four, a friend of mine, Toxic, actually started like playing and I guess learning Mortier Three, and I was like, "Yeah, all right, I'll do this." <laughs> so I think we found some new skips and stuff. Of course, Toxic in classic Toxic fashion found some. Really awful skips that only work like 600 FPS, and uh, I can't do them. Uh, he also found some really weird version, which is like half translated in Hungarian, and then the other half they sort of gave up, so it's Russian. <laughs> it's really good. 
but yeah, I run it for a while, he ran it for a while. Uh, I don't think either of us really liked it as much as 4, just because of the tech in it. Uh, I think also before that, me and the, like, some, some members of the Polish speedrunners community did race, like blind race, Morty 1, where the game crashed like 50 times. But I think I ended up winning the race, so that was good. And uh, I never want to touch that game again. Do you know what engine Mortar One is in? Is it like I a like a build engine or something? It's like their own engine. Oh, okay. Because Mortar One and Two was not actually made by CI. Mm. It was made by Mirage, Mirage Interactive, Mirage Software. I don't remember. Yeah. But yeah, they made the first game, which was actually decently popular and well regarded in Poland as like a pretty good game. And then they made more tier two. And then they went bankrupt because it was terrible. <laughs> so CI got the rights to more tier the IP and made more tier three, which is also not good. And then ages later they were making like Jupiter FPSs and they made Operation Thunderstorm, which was like, oh, we have the IP, the Mortier IP. We can slap that name onto it and get more sales. So uh, that's the only collection of that game. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, like the the plot of Mortar Four is is basically they just picked like four famous Nazis and you go through three levels. At the end of every third level, you kill a famous Nazi, and that's kind of <laughs> the game. That's- yep. Which yeah. is not bad. It so, is quite cathartic, actually. But so, so you know, more, just for comparison, Mortar Four, you are a son of a scientist who invented a time machine in the year twenty ninety three. That some people used to go back to World War Two and make Hitler win, and then you are living in like the alternate future where the Nazis have won. So you go back to 1944 to stop the Nazis from winning. And like halfway through the game, you come back to the future and like do stuff there. It's honestly a cool game. Like it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, it has some fun stuff. It's just really unstable on modern hardware. Yeah. Now that, that is unfortunate. It doesn't play very well. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those those games that was like intended to be played at forty FPS, and any higher just speeds the game up. So, <laughs> so you know. Uh, I kind of love like if 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 that works stably, sometimes that can be kind of fun. That's kind of how I feel about like the PC port of True no. Car in New York City, right? Like it's stable <laughs> enough, but but if it, of course if it's not stable, then it's not it's not worth it. Yeah, it's pain. So, is there any any future plans for the universe of Mortar or or City Interactive Games? Because I, I imagine, I imagine there's more out. I think, like, here's the thing, right? Like, I I feel like this could be one of those things, right? Like, you discover Mortar Four. Mortar Four had a lot of cool tech, especially being you know a lift tech Jupiter game. Uh, you were able to really work it down. I, I watched your um you know your your any percent uh, PB, which I think is the world record. Really satisfying run. It's a neat run. Makes use of a lot of different tech. Uh, a lot of, and again, a lot of the same tech. If you watched, uh, for example, if you watched uh, Maxi Libs do Fear at AGDQ 2021, you'll recognize a lot of the tricks, like the float glitch <laughs> and stuff like that. It's you know really, really good stuff. Yeah. 
do you have any uh, plans for exploring other Cineatric games or returning to the Mortar series? So, as for Mortar, I don't really have plans. I would like to maybe eventually come back to any percent because there is one more route for a level that is not implemented yet. Mm-hmm. So it was discovered after that run, and I never went back to it. Um, City, I honestly don't know what they do. They make like sniper games, I think. I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I did for like a good month or two uh, annoy the City Interactive Twitter account, constantly asking for a new Mordor game. And one time they replied saying, you never know. So basically, I'm excited for Mordor 5. And uh, yeah, if that ever becomes a reality, <laughs> I, I like. I feel like I have to. Oh yeah, it, right? no, no, no. If if Monolith ever made Shogo too, I'm in. I'm in deep trouble. Like, mm. <laughs> same same thing. <laughs> Left Tech Universe, I guess. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's like that. So, all right, let's let's move on to to another game here. Uh, you already mentioned this. You already mentioned Yonoi Two a little bit in, in terms of how you discovered Yonoi Two, the story about the you know the music and learning the game about through that, and how this was a game made in a game jam. So, um, do you want to mm-hmm. talk a bit more about what Yonoi Two is? Uh, it's first of all ahead of its time. <laughs> that is the is the like line that they used. So, like, I guess a bit of backstory. Uh, the game jam, the game was submitted. It, uh, the game was submitted to was I think the theme was X was ahead of its time, if I remember correctly. And the devs were just like, "Hey, remember that Noid game for the NES? What if we made that but better?" And so they went for like a PS1, PS2 aesthetic, mostly PS1, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to make it ahead of its time, they let the Noid dab. And if I remember correctly, that is like one of the first features that they implemented. The game has analog dabbing. If you're playing on a controller, you, you dab with the trigger. And like the more you push it in, the more into the dab the Noid gets. It's incredible. Uh, but somehow, despite that being the foundation of the game, they made a really solid platformer. Like, it's the, the movement mechanics and the uh, the level design and stuff is just, it's a lot of fun. It, like, both casually and from a speedrun perspective. Like, I, I I don't know what to say. It's just, it's a lot of fun to now, just when, move the character. When you discovered the game, there was already people speedrunning it, right? Mm-hmm. So did, did, did the run develop uh, a lot from the time that you picked it up to, to now? Or was it already sort of a fully formed speedrun when you discovered it? So when I joined the community, I was like, I think half a year or a year late. To, to the game existing. Mm-hmm. So they've already figured out a lot of the the routes that were used at that point. And I didn't really contribute to that version of the game much, I don't think. I, 
I was okay. I remember I was the first person to tackle, to seriously tackle hundred percent, and I guess I made some developments to that route. But the main category, any percent, I didn't really touch for a while, and when I did, I didn't discover much new. So, I, I guess you could say it was like basically fully developed. But then, a year after the game's initial release, devs actually put out. Game of A Year Edition, not the year, A Year. A Year, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. In which they added a bunch of stuff, they reworked a bunch of stuff. Um, so they added like a bunch of different characters that are like unique abilities, like a Sonic character, Crust 40, which is a reference to Crash 40. Uh, yeah, so like that guy can run twice as fast. Or like a version of Luigi who uh, jumps really high but is slippery, you know, like Noi Luigi. Uh, I think some others, but irrelevant. Uh, so, like, the community was basically like got a new life, excited for the two characters and uh, you know what the route would look like with them. Um, but another thing they did that was really important was they reworked the entire like movement code. So in the in the legacy version, the, the first release, you could hold multiple inputs that do the same thing. And it would have like minor effects. Like when you're in dialogue holding jump uh speeds up the scrolling, but then you have to press it again to sort of advance the dialogue. So what you do is you hold one button and then mash the other to like I optimally go through dialogue. In Game Over Here, they prevented you from doing that. So they they made it so if you're holding one button, uh, the other buttons from for that same action don't do anything, which was actually key to the biggest glitch we've found in the game yet, which is. Uh, which is text storage. So normally when you're in dialogue, you're locked in place. You can't move. Mm -hmm. But it was figured out pretty early on that if you talk to an NPC and then die, you can move around with the dialogue on screen. But as I mentioned earlier, when you jump, you advance dialogue. So you can never carry it very far. Uh, and after like a lot of trying from... A very dedicated glitch hunter. We actually managed to first off get dialogue out of the level, out of like a level into the hub world. But like sort of the thing we were trying to do is the final, the final level, final boss fight has like a long dialogue that we figured if you could get another NPC's dialogue and then finish it in the level, you could skip the boss's entire dialogue. And we actually brought this theory up to the devs and they put an NPC in the final arena so you could talk to it and then they checked if it would skip the dialogue and it did. Oh. So so we're like, hey, can you, can you release that version? Yeah. And they were like, no. No. <laughs> so no, of course not. So we didn't get that. So we're trying a long, for a long time to somehow jump all the way to the final area without finishing the dialogue 
and one of the runners eventually managed to do it. Uh, but it broke the fight. Like, uh, so in the fight, you you grab like dice that fall onto the floor, like dominoes dice, mm-hmm. and you spin them around and throw them at the boss. If you did that glitch, the auto aim would never kick in, so it was basically impossible to hit the boss. So that was very sad. Uh, but despite that, like, uh, we figured out that in game of a year, because of the changes they did to the the controller code, like the movement code, you could hold down talk, which also advances dialogue. And then you could jump without advancing it because you were holding a button that is meant for that. Mm-hmm. So you could carry text anywhere. Uh, and that wasn't very useful for a while. But then we figured out that actually ending dialogue always puts you in a standing state for one frame, no matter where you are, even if you're in air. So first of all, you could double jump because... You you have a frame where you're on the ground, so you can uh, jump again. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, yeah. That that wasn't very useful though. But we figured something else out, which is when you finish dialogue over some things, you get teleported somewhere else. And we had no idea how it worked, but after a while, uh, well, actually, okay. Before we figured out the warps, <laughs> we figured that if you die and then finish dialogue while you're dead. Noid actually becomes dead alive. And because of how the checkpoint system works in the game, which is just puts the checkpoint wherever you were standing last, uh, being alive that let you set a checkpoint while dead, so you'd respawn where you were dead. <laughs> this makes perfect sense, I yeah, promise. Yeah, this works, yeah. Yeah, sure. So that was a route for a while where we... A, a place where we used to clip with lag, which the clip was fixed, we could do it again by just abusing dialogue. But yeah, then someone figured out that you can warp with this, and someone else figured out that you can warp from the start of a level to like the middle of it, which was a lot faster. So we did that for a while, which also meant that you know half the run you're playing with dialogue covering half your screen. So the run got a lot harder. Um, eventually, I actually got a friend who's like more knowledgeable. I cannot speak. I'm sorry. Uh, more knowledgeable about coding to look into the game's code. And they actually found out why it works. So there's, there's a mechanic that sort of tr- keeps track of where you are on a level. And it keeps track of that by checking which like part of the geometry you're on and what like your vector from the center of that thing is. And that's how it like sets checkpoints and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the thing is, it only updates your position when you're standing on it. But it updates like the object you're supposed to be it's supposed to be calculating off when you're above it. So, uh, usually it doesn't matter because like, it it puts you on, in the coordinates you're supposed to be when you when you get 
clamped, which is what's what it's called, which is basically standing standing. Mm-hmm. Not being in a jump, but standing. Um so that usually works fine, but you know, we can stand in midair for a frame. So we we basically transfer the the vector from one object from the center of one object to another object. So let's say the whole map is one object, right? It's like the ground. It's just an object. And then there's another object that's like the the door to another part of the level. So you can stand on the level, which like which is like a, a big vector, right? Because the level is huge, the center is very far away. And then you can jump over the door, which is a small thing with a center very close to you. And then you finish dialogue. So it applies the the vector from the tall level to the center of the door. So you just get teleported way out. And uh yeah, so we figured out a couple warps with that. One was dominant in the route called the uh the core warp. Mm-hmm. Uh because you just warped into the core of a level, like skipping half of it. Uh so that's that's where the route was for a while. Uh but then <laughs> uh one of the runners figured out that for some reason like the the pizza box that you use to enter a level, the center actually has a direction. And if you open it, it has a different direction than if it's closed. And they managed to warp into the final area of the game right away. So the game just got cut in half, basically. Uh, and <laughs> you said to keep it PG, so I'm not going to say the name of the trick. <laughs> but let's say we had a... We had a stupid inside joke because we we thought the game was solved, right? Like mm-hmm, yeah, we, we yeah. thought we found all the warps, we knew how they worked. It's it's done. So we're expecting maybe to find like a half a second optimization. So we just joke like, "Oh, let's call it that." Whatever we find next, Wait. and then the major glitch that skipped half the game was found next. So <laughs> we had to we had to retroactively apply the acronym. The the like along of it. Okay. Convoluted upward method. Yeah, convoluted which, upward method. What's the acronym for that? Yeah. I don't know. I have no I, idea. I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I I cannot speak English. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah, never know. So so that that's the any person route is just go get the dialogue, leave the level, do the convoluted upward method, finish the game, and. uh yeah, the run sucks to grind out because it's just like you, you don't do any of the fun content of the game. But it's a really cool route, I think. And it like, really shows that the version we at first thought, thought was like, inferior because it was just more annoying to run mm-hmm. actually became like minutes faster. It's really cool. One of the things I noticed looking over the leaderboard for this game, and I, I think your your history of you know some of these discoveries has already shown that there's a lot of categories, right? Like I think the 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 run I had watched was an all stages run from Frost Fatales. Uh, you know, you were talking about mm-hmm. sort of the evolution of any percent use of things like core warp. Uh, there is like there is such an interest in this game that uh, this is actually a game that has a category extensions leaderboard. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's a, a, a sufficient interest. Um, 
Do you have any sort of favorite category that you would want to mention from either the main leaderboard or the category extensions leaderboard? So, I guess as for like the coolest runs, uh, it's game of the year, all stages and no major skips. Uh, they're just really fun runs. They're like mm-hmm. really cool. They have a bunch of tech that is like just fun to watch, fun to do. Uh, as for the category extensions, I mean, as much as I hate the name, we do have dab percent where you have to yeah. keep dabbing. I didn't, I didn't for see a run. I didn't see a run of yours on that leaderboard. I I wasn't sure. I, I wonder why. Why, why is that? It's... <laughs> that category is actually really hard. Because when you are dabbing, you cannot grab ledges. Mm-hmm. Or you can, but you can only hold on to them for one frame. So every ledge grab, which there is a bunch of required ones in the game, you have one frame to jump out. So, uh, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> uh, there's an all badges category where you do 100% with all five characters. And it takes like two hours. It's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like... Every category has something going for it, I think. Like, it, they're all cool in their own right. One th- okay, and I brought up the Frost Fatales 2020 recording, and I, I had a question about that recording. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of the, the VOD, you just let the ending start playing? <laughs> Did you warn <laughs> them about it? Because they didn't seem ready no. to get off it. <laughs> no. <laughs> If you don't know what I'm talking about, the ending. Uh, so they have, I guess, they had some some live action work done for this game, and the ending is kind of creepy. It's this, it's the guy dressed up as this Noid character standing in a pool, and some people are like waving their hands toward him, like they're they're worshiping him or something. It's got a real creepy vibe, weird aesthetic, um, and I could even tell they were sort of alarmed in the studio. And so I, I'm, you already answered that. It, it was. A, did anyone say anything like, like Rhythm, please? Why? 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 No, <laughs> no one said anything. No one from the staff said anything. The the chat was like monkeys. <laughs> uh, so actually, fun thing about that is I had a character Bidwar, and Vocal Noid, which is you know Hatsune Miku, but mm-hmm. the Noid, uh, won the Bidwar, and that is the only character that that ending appears on, because that's the, like the final character. And that's the secret, like, true ending. Oh, okay. I, I was actually quite upset that he didn't let it play out fully. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering, you know, because you know, sometimes at these events, GDQ knows, and they'll, they'll let an ending play out because it's funny or interesting or whatever. You know, it certainly mm-hmm. happens. And so I was really surprised because I was like, oh, they're doing this. Like, they're committing to the bit. And then it, it just cuts out at some point. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any any future plans for, for this game right now in terms of, you know, improving other categories or anything like that? Currently, no. Okay. I, I wanted to go for a sweep in the legacy boards, the legacy game. And I did get like most of them. I think I'm missing one. I just don't feel like playing. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, let's maybe move on. maybe one day I'll come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Let's move on to the last the last main game here, uh, which you've already mentioned, which is uh, Kea. I keep seeing the word, and I want to say cow, and then I, I immediately I realize, like, of course, it's supposed to be Kao because it's a kangaroo with boxing gloves. Yeah. Um, Kao the kangaroo too, uh, you know, specifically, which you mentioned as being a game that was a big success in Poland, but not one that you had played at the time. Uh, how did you end? I forget. I forget how did you because you you came to this by way of another Kao the kangaroo game, right? Mm-hmm. So I did. I never played Ko two as a kid, but I did play Ko three, which was not a success anyway. Actually, uh, that game was like rushed to completion because the the story is basically like they were making the game and it was like going fine, and then the publisher was like, "Hey, actually, you know, console shooters are more popular, so we're just gonna." cut your funding and you feel free to release what you have we don't care so like in the final level you can actually see where the game was meant to go where the level is meant to go and then it's a dead end and if you go back there's just a door to the end of the game so uh yeah it's it's a sad story but i did have nostalgia for the game I did play it a lot as a kid, so I figured, hey, why not speed on it? And it was actually like the first two. So the end person of the game is eight minutes long because due to the lack of funding, cut funding, they never like got to properly test the game and like fix it up. So there's just, there's just a hole in the hub that you can jump through and hit the loading trigger to the final area of the game. So, like, that was the only run people did for ages. And then uh, I came in, and it's like, okay, but this is lame. I want to do, I want to actually play the game. So I came up with a category called All Artifacts, which basically means you have to do the major levels of the game before finishing it. Uh, And I ran that for a while. And it was fun. It was a fun one. Uh, it's pretty cool. For like, for me, for a complete newcomer to the series, speedrun-wise. Mm-hmm. It had like a decent amount of tech and unintended platforming and stuff. Uh, so I did that for a while. And then I eventually ended up stacking the uh, the any person record, record as well. Uh, ended up converting the leaderboards to the almighty loadless timing. Uh, yeah, so that was good while, and then for some reason I played KO2 and then learned that run, and now I cannot come back to 3. That the movement in KO2 is just so much better. But but I noticed too, you know, one of the other things I discovered when I was looking around is that um, you are you are one of two individuals who has uh, trilogy runs on the KO the Kangaroo mm-hmm. multi-runs board, and then pretty recently too, I, I think the I saw your PBs only only a month ago. Uh, at what point did you decide that you wanted? Because I, I know you you had mentioned, I guess, with Ko three, but I guess once you got into Ko two and discovered that you liked it as a speed run, was that the point when you're like, well, I guess, I guess the trilogy run's going to happen? Yeah, that, that was basically it. Like, I I got a decent time in Ko two, and like talk of a trilogy run has been you know going around the Discord for ages mm-hmm. before I joined. 
but no one really cared because everyone just runs KO2. Uh, so I, I, I was pretty good at KO3, and I was getting decent at KO2. So I was like, I mean, it, it only makes sense, right? <laughs> uh, for some reason, at that time, I was also like really into multi runs, like full mm. series and stuff. So it was just like a formality, basically learn KO1, do a trilogy. And now I never want to come back to Trilogy because of KO1. Because <laughs> it, it's... Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. But yeah, I did... I, I sort of set off with a goal of... I saw, you know... KO2 is an hour long. KO1 should be like a mid-30. Mm-hmm. But I'm bad, so I'm just going to count 40 minutes. And then KO3 is like 10 minutes at most. So I want to sub two. I, I want to complete this. Say I completed the series in under two hours. And so I did one run. And I did just that. <laughs> so, you know. That was nice. Cool. Uh, no. I was yeah. say, it seems like you're probably at this point, I, you know, I think you already answered my, my sort of wrap-up question, which was future plans for, for KO. And of course, you mentioned that, you know, really you, you would like to see that show up at like an SGDQ or other type of event, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and I mean, uh, for reference, KO3 was released in, I think, 2005? Mm-hmm. I will double check. Yeah, 2005. KO4 is coming out this year. KO4? Oh, okay. Well, that's... Yeah. All right, KO4. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah, that was like crazy news at the time. Uh, that, you know, they're making a new KO. It's actually coming back. That's insane. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, just like routing and running. I'm definitely like getting it on day one. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be early on running it. No, that's really good. Yeah. That's exciting. That's, that's kind of that. a, a fun note. It, it's interesting to see some of these, you know, the different franchises and, and things to come back like that. All right. I'm going to start wrapping up the formal part of the podcast here i got some some exit questions uh one of those is that i like to add a little connective tissue between the interviews in the interview series uh my previous guest uh jay hobbs had this question uh to give to the next guest which is what would be the one piece of advice you would give to your past self that is just starting speedrunning? oh man There's actually like there's two ra- two ways I could go about it, mm-hmm. but I guess if we we're going to like just starting out back in 2013, I would tell myself to practice my games. Don't just do runs. Don't just do no resets. They're fun. It's fun to just play the game and finish it. But at one point, you will become more competitive and you will want better times. Get in the habit of practicing. Just do go over smaller segments, do things you, you're bad at, and uh, improve better. Because I still to this day struggle with practicing and uh, having like a proper routine for it. No, that's a really good answer. That's also, that's like good for everything, you know? That's good for music, yeah. gaming, anything. True. Just, you know, practice, good practice uh, helps so, so much. Now, did you say you had another another piece of advice or was that sort of the... 
Uh, I guess if we were going to mm-hmm. like a bit later, okay. later me. Uh, I for for a good couple of years, I was like super zen about runs. I never got annoyed. I just played the game, took any time else I did, like whatever, just flow over me. And I guess I would tell myself to like keep that attitude like try to actively think of keeping that attitude because it's just lost it somewhere along the way and it's it annoys me that i get angry at video games it's like why yeah why yeah, yeah all right those are pretty good answers uh so that does mean that i do need from you a question to hand off to my next guest who is a speedrunner. uh but the question doesn't have to be about speedrunning. Uh, could be about anything, but it's a question that I will have to ask <laughs> to my next guest <laughs> about a week from now. Uh, you know, can be, again, fun or as serious as you like. Uh, do you have any thoughts for that? Right. So, uh, as a, uh, as a lo- long-time listener to mm-hmm. Overboost, I do actually have one prepared. Okay. All right. <laughs> Which is, maybe it's kind of cheating, but <laughs> you know what? I'm a speedrunner. I can mm-hmm. cheat. Uh, so this is assuming the next person is has run multiple games, more than one, right? That's a tr- yeah. Okay, that works. So, if you could take one level from your speed from one of your speed games and replace another one in another speed game, what would you swap? Like take take out the the boring the one boring level mm-hmm. in your speed game and replace it with another one from a, another fun one. Okay, so you're removing one level from one of your speed games, and you are replacing it with a level from another speed game. Right. Okay. It doesn't have to be a level, like a split, a segment, whatever. Mm, okay. Just like, yeah, what would you swap? No, that's a pretty good one. I will, I will, as is my as my tradition, give the the spoiler here uh, to you in the DM. Uh, cool. So, <laughs> yeah, your question will work. <laughs> I- that yeah, question will work. That's that'll work. <laughs> so, uh, of course, be be announcing that soon. Uh, look forward to that. That'll be that'll be a fun interview uh, next week. Um, now, you already mentioned Ko Four is happening. Are there any other uh, games coming up that you are interested and excited about? I guess maybe not excited, but I am sort of looking at uh, Lords of the Fallen Two. That is a game that CA published, and I don't remember if they developed it. They definitely published. They might be developing the second one. I mm. I don't really know. I just heard that it's it might be happening. I'm sort of gonna look at it. I might not get super involved, but yeah. So yeah, is, is there a speedrun scene for the first one? Or it's very tiny, but there mm. is one. Okay, it's not really active at all. Yeah. No, that's that's fair, but I mean Ko Four, right? We'll 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 keep an eye on Ko Four. Yeah, Ko Four. Um, Absolutely. If you could highlight one person in the speedrun community that you feel like m- more people should be watching, should be more eyeballs on this person, uh, who would that be? Oh man! See, the thing is, I don't. <laughs> A lot of the people I know don't really like stream much, mm. so I guess eyeballs doesn't really, you know, work too well but one person that i do think deserves more recognition is uh haver he is a fellow glitch hunter uh he 
broke like all of the Bethesda fallouts and Skyrim and Oblivion. Like, he he does great work with that and a bunch of other games. Like yeah, he's just a really good glitch hunter that definitely deserves more recognition. No, Havert, Havert is really good. I definitely definitely <laughs> second that one. Uh, if people are looking for you and what you're doing, uh, where should they be looking? Uh, I'm on Twitch, with streaming like once a month, if you're lucky. Uh, I upload like a bunch of glitches I find and other runs on YouTube, if you care at all. Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter, so like that's the main place to, I guess, find me. Yeah, and of course, uh, if you're if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, all of those links will be in the description, whether that is you know YouTube description or in Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Uh, if you're watching live right now, I just dumped all the links into chat, and you can also fetch them by typing in exclamation guest. Uh, Riven, thank you so much for giving me all this time. Yeah, thank you for having me. But it was you, very fun. You are a longtime listener, so you do know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna need I from you know. a rocket engine noise after I say the catchphrase, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Let's boost on out of here. <laughs> that was good no that was good i like that that was I, that worked discord liked that too it didn't even cut off at all i i'm still trying to figure oh. out what discord's what discord likes and doesn't like but the answer is discord liked that rocket engine noise um <laughs> folks it, you, so uh we got some time for some live q and a uh just go ahead and if you are if you do have questions please start uh dumping them uh into chat um i have a i have a question is there is there an origin story to to the seal is that a long time friend or is that a recent friend i mean it's been around for like a year mm. i just i like plushies and i had it so i put it on at some marathon like people people noticed and thought it was cute so i just started doing it I'm getting the sense that Stewoid here might be involved in the Annoyed 2 uh, speedrunning, among other things, from watching the chat. Uh, uh, they, a little bit. They're, they're requesting a, like, a live comprehensive doc of the Portal 3D speedrunning. Are there other Portal games that aren't 3D? I guess there's that Narbacular drop there's, or whatever. There's a game called Portal 3D, which oh, is a, there's a game, game maker game. Okay that uh never got released got like deleted off the internet but for some reason Stu found it years ago downloaded it and thought it was terrible but uh like years later for some reason remembered it went to like find a really old old hard drive plugged it into their PC, and, like, they found it. <laughs> there was the game. So me and them played it, and it was not very good. Uh, the portal gun in Portal 3D didn't work. Uh, 
the blue portal, if you went into it, just shot you up into the air and you were stuck. Uh, you can jump infinitely. Just there's, you know, you can fly. The orange portal just disables that wall's collision. So you can just <laughs> walk through walls. So, uh, yeah, we we ran it for like a month. Somehow it got approved on speedrun.com. And then I made one of the actual portal game mods a moderator for that. And they added Gonzo to the leaderboard, mm-hmm. which was a nice touch. Yeah, that I think that's about it. Good. No, that's that's those are all good things. I <laughs> everything about that. <laughs> Lost Game Maker game, the disables collision. I love all of these things. Uh Kodzik has a question, which is why do you wrongly I sense some bias in this question. Why do you wrongly believe that percentage shouldn't be added at the end of category names? Because it looks stupid as I'm keeping it PG, but it looks very stupid. <laughs> but it, isn't it isn't also, it an effective shorthand that people know it's a speedrun category? Yeah, when I when I say <laughs> you know no major skips speedrun in time and have you know the time in the video title, people won't know it's a speedrun unless they put percent after the name of the category. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh. But no. Uh, like as a as a serious response, mm-hmm. percent means the the percentage of the game completed. So any percent just beat the game with any completion. Hundred percent do everything. Low percent do as little as possible. No major skips isn't a percentage. Glitchless isn't a percentage of the completion. It's just an an additional restriction. Mm-hmm. But so, but would something like any percent? glitchless that would be okay but you don't want you don't want to call it glitchless percent yeah yeah so actually i have like a whole sort of rule set for naming categories so to me any percent is implied unless otherwise specified so any percent glitchless just glitchless not any percent glitchless because adding the any percent there is just Mm -hmm. unnecessary because it's implied in glitchless, unless you are doing like hundred percent glitchless, where including the hundred percent is necessary. So uh, I guess that's my whole take on the. Now, yeah, I already um, I, I already did this to you while we were we were warming up. Maka here though is bringing it back up, which is uh, RTA versus IGT discussion. Do you have any any points? Would you like to respond to Make trying to provoke you here? Uh, so I, I guess I can give a serious answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This time, uh, <laughs> I, I do actually like real time. Believe it or not, and I I do like using it where possible. But there's just if a game has obvious loading screens that take varying amount of amounts of time, then there's no excuse to be using real-time instead of real-time without loads. Mm. Which, by the way, that's a different thing. Loadless and IGT. Yeah, they are two different. Two completely different things. I, and, I try to be good about saying without loads versus saying IGT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like one of the most more annoying things to me is when people get this wrong. But 
I think IGT is the timing method I like the least, just because of there's a lot of like inconsistencies with it that often pop up. Like in Dark Souls, which is a game that that's timed by in-game time, if you quit out, you can just stay on the menu and the timer never moves, so you can just go like I don't know, take a bath, come back, and lose no time to the run, and I don't like that. I don't like breaks like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dark community actually has a rule which says that if you quit out, you have to go back into the game right away or your run will be rejected. But that has another issue where what break is too long? Can I stretch, stretch my you know wrists in the quit out? It takes like two seconds. Is that too long? One moderator will say it's fine. The other will reject my run. So it adds like a lot of complications in places where they don't need to exist because we could just be using time without loads. No, I mean, so, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, that, those are some, some pretty good answers. I feel like, yeah, especially putting, making the effort when discussing this to put without loads and IGT in, in different places um, is, is definitely important because I feel like, you know, IGT, I mean, right off from the bat we can talk about how weird in-game timers can be but like even beyond Mm -hmm. that you know you you get into discussions of um especially i feel like because i tend to do some open world games you get into discussions of you kind of adding loads by doing more fast travel or something like that right where you you put yourself in a situation Mm -hmm. where you know if you if you manage to pause the clock by spending more time doing loads or something does that create some sort of risk and of course it's such a corner case really you know often yes I mean, checkpoint reloads, right? Mm. It's like the the sort of <laughs> the very thing you're mentioning is like, you know, checkpoint reload sits through 20 seconds of loading to skip three seconds of dialogue. Right. And there is a case to be made for that being not fun. And like, I did have a thought that maybe instead of pausing the timer on loads, we should be adding a set amount of time per load. It's like every load you go through is 10 seconds, Yeah. no matter your hardware. But that runs into another issue, like if someone has really fast loads, they're going to have loadless time longer than real time, and that just looks stupid. Yeah. So that's not really the solution always. It's, yeah. it's a weird thing, but I don't think it's as big of an issue as some people make it out to be. Like having... Uh, having strats that are all only like applicable to loadless, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. I think when you're choosing to have fair competition, you're accepting that you're going to be optimizing for that timing method. And that's just how it goes. That's just how it is. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the other things too, I think is that the, the ultimate decider is, is what, what people want to do, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like if, if the, if it's truly awful to do the, the checkpoint strats and you're adding minutes by reloading checkpoints to skip dialogue. I mean, chances are the community will probably then ag- agree to maybe time it differently. You know, just as you said, right. You, you, you this is, that's one of the things with speed running yeah. is that you can arrive at a case by case solution because you're already mm-hmm. spending that time learning the game. Like it's not going to be that much more to, you know, to make some sort of community <laughs> decision. Um, yeah, for sure. Kodzik has another question here. What is the marathon run you are the most proud of? Not even in terms of like, you know, success and popularity, but just like you feel like you did a great marathon showing, you know, performance of run, commentary, etc. 
good thing, good thing I have a spreadsheet of all my marathon runs. Uh, but I guess the easy answer while I check this is the Sami run, both of at Fleet Fatals and at HGDQ. Mm-hmm. HGDQ less so because OBS just died in the middle of it. Like it wasn't even my internet. It wasn't, it just... wasn't me. I, I only crashed the marathon three times and it wasn't yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, who knows? But that, that was like really irritating mm-hmm. for me because I was really hoping to get like a really good showing and that just, you know, kind of ruined it in my eyes. But the run still went well despite that. And the one of Fleet Fatals was, a, I'd say, of similar similar quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty happy with those. Um, there's a couple in uh, from the Polish marathon GSPS. Uh, there was at the most recent one I did a run of KO2. That uh, that I was pretty proud of. I thought that went really well. I think I PB'd actually in it. Ooh, it was just a really PB'd. solid run. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was happy with that. Uh... No, that's that's that's. Good. I think it's yeah. good too that you have. Is is GSPS? Is that a, a an event series that's that's done in person or is that all online? It wasn't person until you until know, okay COVID. Yeah. Neat. No, that's great. Honestly, like I, you know, we all think about like GDQ and ESA as being these big op- opportunities to see other people in, in person in, in a non-pandemic world. Uh, but you know, I, I love hearing about more, you know, either regional, local, in-person speedrunning events. I know I have a, a series in my area that I'm really fond of, and it's just it's cool to hear about others. Yeah, for sure. Like GSPS was definitely the thing that sort of convinced me that hey, this thing is really fun going, like, you know, meeting other speedrunners and chilling for a couple of days. Because uh, uh, I I really was, like, on the fence about going to ESAs and GDQs beforehand. And, like, yeah, going to that one, which is, like, really low commitment because, you know, it's in the country. It's way cheaper than uh, going to, even to ESA. And uh, especially because, like, I joined the marathon pretty early on, I think, mm. in the second year of them doing it. So that was still hosted like, Poker's house. We just slept in his house, so that wasn't, like, a thing to worry about uh, with costs and stuff. Right, yeah. Lodging so costs was, especially. Was really, mm, I was so going to say, really lodging like, costs in particular can be prohibitive, you know, when it comes to traveling. Mm. Uh, all right. Well, Stu's got another question sure. here. Uh, which I, I think I, I think I know what this is referring to. The question is, any thoughts on forcing webcam in some online marathons? And just to give some context to that for, for people who maybe don't submit to marathons, I think presently for online events, uh, like GDQ allows use but does not require webcams. And I think it's been a, a source of some uh, you know unhappiness that ESA at some point I think began requiring webcams from runners. I don't want to say that with a hundred percent confidence. I think that's the case. Uh, did you have any any thoughts on that? I'm pretty sure that was a thing from the first online ESA okay. that they required webcams. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I I mean, no one does. I don't think. I don't think they should be required. 
Uh, yeah, it's just really arbitrary. And I could I could go on and on why I don't really like what ESA does. Mm-hmm, I, I love sure. going to the events and meeting people and stuff, but from like the I guess business stream side, I don't agree with a lot of the decisions they make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh yeah, and that's obviously one of them. That's one of them, yeah. yeah is nah. the I didn't realize that. So Stu's mentioning in chat there that even the um, the the break the record live events, which as a premise, you know, I I think are it's a a, a cool new variation on doing a speedrun event. Um, but you know, it comes with with some qualifiers, <laughs> which apparently is you know requiring the participants, for example, to use camera like this. Yeah. So. Uh, that- it's like I I don't like BTRL really. I like the mm. idea. I don't like how, it, it's, how it's done. Yeah. I I I would be so for it as an event if it didn't have money prizes. Mm-hmm. But okay. that's that's like the thing that breaks it for me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah like uh, I know before Splunky Two, was it Dark Souls or was the one between those two? I uh, was the first one SM sixty four, and then they did Dark Souls Remastered. They did SM64, then they did some Sonic game. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think they did Dark Souls. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the, like in the community, there was a debate, should we do Dark Souls 1? Should we do Dark Souls 3? Because they're both popular. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure one of the main reasons why DS3 didn't get picked was because the majority of that community does like no webcam, no mic streams. Like, they just... They play the game. They don't. Yeah, they don't. Uh, they're not really streamers, and they yeah, don't. Yeah, right. Yeah, like if you're not comfortable showing your voice, there's no way you're gonna show your face, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's a stupid requirement, I think, and it uh, really limits the pool mm-hmm. of uh, of part- possible participants. Yeah. Now, I, you know obviously i'm not running an event but i certainly if if the if the scope of things is to emphasize the high level right break the record live Mm. um you know i i think if you're placing unnecessary restrictions you're you might be hurting your sales pitch uh you know and i think that's kind of getting at what you were just laying down there uh they also did yeah that's a doom after sm64 yeah i mean i don't know of course I want more speedrunning events, so, you know, to me, all this criticism is constructive. It's from a place of, you know, we want to see more stuff like this and, you know, yeah, see, see, see it improve. Uh, well, let me let me ask a selfish question here as we're, as we're closing down on the on the, the two hours here. Uh, do you have any people as a listener of Overboost that you would like to see interviewed? Make my work easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did mention Harvard. I would love mm. to hear more from him uh there's a lot of like smaller communities that have cool people that i think would be cool to interview uh ones that come to mind right now is the risk of rain speedrunning community has two like old runners who are still active that would be topaz and uzi school mm-hmm. they are both super interesting guys that like I only got to know them like a couple of years ago when I got into Risk of Rain 1 speedrunning. They've been around the community for forever. And like, you know, even though you're in the same community and you run the same games and stuff, 
you don't really talk that much about like you know oh what was what was the community like back then what do you think about speedrunning in general stuff like that so yeah that would be cool I think that would be mm. interesting. No, definitely. I, I think any any of these long running communities, I think, usually have this kind of stuff, right? Like we we got a bunch of snapshots of that with you know with with Ko with Sammy with Mortar. Um, no, so I think that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. That's part of, part of why I like to do this, and part of why I try to make an effort to get a cross section of people because um, not that not that the big games don't have interesting stories because they do, but. You know, there are also interesting stories out here, and I feel like, you know, I want to put more more spotlights on them. The the thing with big games is they have interesting stories, but they, everyone already knows them mm-hmm. because they're big games, they're popular, and yeah. they're interesting. Well, they're obscure, like lesser-known stuff. You don't know things because no one talks about them. Yeah. Cool. No, any Were there any other communities that you wanted? Because I know you mentioned Risk of Rain. You mentioned the two runners for that. Uh, there is a community I'm like, that, that is sort of new. It's the uh, Minecraft Dungeons, if you've mm. heard of that. Yeah, that was a, there was a run of that at AGDQ, wasn't there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And like right afterwards, we cut 80% in half, so that was fun. Oh! oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, there's some really cool runners in that community. Uh, the runner who actually did the run, Mifa, uh, and the two commenters, Yom Cool and Foot Cream, are all like really interesting people. Uh, especially because I think Foot Cream is relatively new to speedrunning. I think he did actually start out with dungeons. Actually, no, he was a world champion in Pencil Sharpening Simulator, the IRL categories. Uh, but yeah, like he started, I think, running video games with dungeons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like i'm um, i guess i'm kind of curious what it's like you know i, I haven't started speedrunning in eight years <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's always an interesting thing like you know where, where you get to know about it and uh what motivated you to start with the game you did and stuff no that, absolutely yeah i mean that's and that's part part of it too right is that a lot of times when I ask that question, right, it'll be like, I watched a GDQ and then I got into it, but it's not mm-hmm. always like that. You know, it's, it's sometimes yeah. the answer is a, is a little more, is a little weirder <laughs> than that, but usually in a good way. It's like me and my friends uh, did time trials on a Sonic game or something, you know, oh, uh, yeah. something yeah. like that. Um, all right. Well, I think we are about right. F- folks, You, this is your last minute. If you do not get the question and now... Rhythm will never answer another question anywhere ever. It's true. It's true. I definitely don't don't be active on Twitter. Ever yeah. Do absolutely do, yeah. do not at Rhythm with any horribly mangled leaderboards. That oh would God, be please. rude. <laughs> I, I still have like three folders of screenshots of bad leaderboards. It's it's not good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about 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 Gundam. I wonder if that's still. Wait, I'm gonna go check right now. Oh what was god, the, I think it was Gundam Crossfire. I want to say. Oh god, I just brought up speedrun.com and I saw my own face. That's. Oh no. I know it's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. It's still good. It's still good. It's still there, folks. If you want to see oh, the, the best leaderboard, uh, please enjoy this one, which is a true. A true sin. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that maybe that moderator sees me putting them on blast and will hopefully forgive me. 
uh, for doing that. But <laughs> you should interview them. Yeah, no, maybe I should. I wonder if they do. They run other things. Wait a second. While I'm putting someone on blast. <laughs> no, they only run Crossfire. So. All right. Why are there periods in some of the category names? Well, actually, uh, let me let me shove up my glasses here. Uh, Sarah, that is the uh, the Earth. Um, well, actually, what is the other? Is it Fe- Earth Federation Force? I think. If you watch, 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 Gu- watch Gundam. Yes. Oh, I wish it was Earth Defense Force, EDF. That would be, that would, um, you know, that would be a little, that'd be, but yeah. no, this is, it's a reference to the old Gundam show. It's just the Xeon versus the Earth Federation Force. I don't know. One of those. Uh, but I think we are uh, about good for the, the two hours then. 